hard to believe that uh, I've, we've already been home for a full week post-missions trip. Um, when it comes to missions trips, uh, I've, been on, I've been on many. Uh, re-entry is hard. Re-entry, re-entry from a missions trip can be difficult. Uh, you're often met with a lot of spiritual warfare uh, as you process what just happened uh, was, it a, was it a fever dream and, you know, you're, you're living in the reality of coming back to what your normal life is, but also challenged with a new experience that, hey, was, the normal, was my normal before I went on a trip, um, was, was I living selfishly or was I living selflessly? Uh, and and your, your, your daily life is almost called to just reflect. Uh, reflect on if God can use you in a foreign land to minister to people that you, you may or may never see again, uh, how can the Lord use that experience to impact you and how we minister and reach the people that we have the privilege of calling neighbor? Um, and so today you're going to be hearing some testimonies uh, from some individuals. Before we get into those, we have a quick video uh, for you to share, and then we're going to get right into the testimonies uh, immediately after. Corazón da mucha 
It was an amazing time. I know before the video I said we would get right into uh, the testimonies. I lied. I'm sorry. Uh, um, what we're going to do is, maybe I just tuned this part out because I'm so bad at it. Me and Nando fumbled through it, but that's okay. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start today, this, uh, this service, like we did every day when we were in Columbia, ministering at each site, uh, which was with a kids' ministry dance. Uh, we learned two of them. Uh, and so uh, don't look at me if you want to know the moves. Uh, because I forgot them, clearly, if you watched the first service. Uh, but uh, we're going to start like that. We're going to get into testimonies immediately after that. And so have fun with us. It's good to have fun in the presence of Jesus. And now it's mine and Fernando's turn to act like fools. Here we go. Él creó 
All right, all right. We did better this service. We did better this service. Woo! Now, if you'll notice, my neck was looking towards the middle because they're the ones that are good at it. Normally, we were in the back, so we could, like, see and, like, kind of do our own, you know, kind of dances ourselves, you know, and not really do it right. Uh, but that's okay. Hey, today you're going to hear some testimonies from four different individuals before I give a quick missions devotional. I think it's very important for you to hear from different people, for you to hear about what God did personally in them, maybe through them, maybe some uh, struggles that they needed to overcome spiritually when on this trip. I'm out of breath. So um, so it's important for us to have the opportunity to testify and share. And one of the greatest uh, privileges that we get as believers is to learn how to share our Jesus story. And so this Columbia missions trip is just added to the individuals who got to experience it as a part of their Jesus journey and their great God story. So uh, we're going to have uh, Hallie McLaughlin come up, followed by Regan Jeffrey, Gloria, and Victoria Morano. Thank you, Pastor Pablo. Now he knows what it's like to do kids' worship and then have to talk afterwards. So. <laughs> Um, I just want to say what a wonderful time we had in Colombia. We got to go to Cartagena and we got to work with two sets of missionaries, one missionary that's in Cartagena and one that's in Santa Marta. Next year, I think we're going to both locations, which will be wonderful. Um, And so I got to go with my two oldest children, my two teenagers. So that was extra special for me as well. Um, I actually want to share how our team experienced spiritual attack and how we're able to overcome that in Jesus' name. And I I just want to specifically thank those of you who prayed for us during the trip. I know Rachel Vargas created an intercessory prayer group on Facebook, and I know many of you were praying, wrote notes to the team throughout the week. And I just want to thank you because we really felt those prayers. We really needed them. There really was um, spiritual warfare going on. And thank you also to those of you who gave so that we could actually go. Um, It was incredible to see the generosity of people that me and my uh, two children were able to go because of people's generosity. So thank you. So we, our busiest day, I forget what day it was, maybe Tuesday, we were headed to our second school of the day. It was a high school. And um, at that particular high school, we had to do our presentation maybe four, five times. Different groups of kids would come in. We would do the presentation. They would leave. And we were really sensing some spiritual attacks specifically at that school. I know one girl um, that had her hand raised for prayer. I went to lay my hands on her for prayer. The eyes rolled back in the back of her had, there was clear demonic presence there. And several of the other team members were experiencing sickness just out of the blue or just a general heaviness. And so what we did is we began to just, instead of talk and debrief in between each, the few minutes we had in between, we put on worship music and we just began to intercede and pray. And we immediately did feel the spirit, um, lift and we, and we were able to continue to minister. But as I left that school, Um, I continued to feel quite a bit of personal heaviness. We went to a mall for lunch, and a big group uh, went to walk around. And I started to walk with them, and I I just knew I couldn't. Like, I just felt this heaviness. I had to go sit down in the food court um, with a few others. And I was also sick during this trip. So I went to take a pill for my sickness. And when I went to take it, I didn't realize that the water bottle that I went to take the pill with barely had any water in it. So when I went to swallow the pill, it got stuck. 
And just contextually, I, I mean, I'm, I'm the competitive person that you talked about. My son and I have literally competed how many vitamins we can take, and I've been up to 16. So I can take some pills. <laughs> so one pill, like this was a demonic, I, I really felt like it was a demonic attack on me. The pill got stuck to the point where I couldn't breathe. My airway was blocked, and I f- it was scary. I had never felt that before, and I felt like I was being choked. Um, Mel was there. I was able to run over. We were able to rifle through and find some water. I took some water. It moved a tiny bit so that I was able to breathe, but it still was in my throat, blocking me and causing pain. So um, we went on from there to um, the reform school, which other people might, you might hear them talk about. Pastor Pablo had asked me to give a testimony that night. We were going to a service to adults. And since the testimony I had prepared for the trip, I had written for children. I thought, okay, I need to rewrite something. And so I began to think about what I might want to say, but I was experiencing such oppression. I couldn't, there was no single thought in my head. I got a piece of paper. I couldn't barely write anything down. Um, I don't even know if the team all knows this because it was an incredibly spiritually um, enriching day, but I had quite a different experience. So at that reform school, which is basically like juvenile detention, people who had been, you know, uh, caught up in whatever and had were sent there for whatever reason, um, we experienced an amazing move of God. The testimonies were incredibly anointed and vulnerable. Um, you saw these young men who were hardened and showed that on the outside. We did that dance for them. We felt incredibly silly, but we did it anyway. And Allie shared in the first service how um, maybe that was something that they were, they're just young men. They're just boys at heart, right? That got caught up in some kind of trauma or something. And so maybe that was even healing for them. And you saw as we did the song and then testimony after testimony after testimony, you saw that even their physical presence just begin to soften. And then when the missionary um, said, go out and pray for them, even though there was a language barrier for most of us, these hardened guys just began to weep in the presence of God as people prayed over them. So that was most of the team's experience. But my experience at that reform school was actually different. Um, As people were giving these incredible testimonies, I was actually falling asleep which is not like me at all. Um, I'm just trying to, you know, while people give testimonies, I'm interceding, praying for them in my prayer language. But I, it felt like a spirit of slumber was coming over me, almost like the Wizard of Oz when they're walking through the poppies. I felt like I couldn't, I wasn't, I mean, yes, of course we were tired, but I felt like it was a demonic um, presence that was keeping me, was trying to silence me, honestly. And so when I went out to pray for people, we're pushing through, we're praying in the spirit. I felt I, like I had a word of wisdom for one particular young man. I asked Pastor Pablo to come over and interpret, and I could barely get the words out. It was like they weren't coming out. I hope that God used what I had to say. I don't even know if it made sense. Maybe you translated it so it made sense for him. But um, hopefully he got what he needed from the Lord. But this was something new that I was experiencing to a different level of just being silenced, not being able to minister. There was some kind of block there. So we got on the bus to go to the service. And I was just feeling so down and heavy. And the missionary, one of the missionary kids, Dakota, was sitting next to me. Poor guy. I'm like crying against the window and just pouring out my heart to the Lord. And this little 13-year-old's like, 
can I pray for you? Um, and as he laid his hand on me and prayed for me, the pill immediately went down, um, which had been stuck that whole time. And I just began to gain victory in the Lord. Um, the Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Um, Mary Beth, one of my good friends, wrote me notes each day. And that note, uh, that day, she said, um, Put on, don't forget to put on your armor today. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all, stand. The enemy of your soul is not happy, but God has given everything, God has given you everything you need. You have been given authority over all the power of the enemy. And so we got to church, and um, as they were preparing, I just went to the back and began to worship and just pray in my prayer language and begin to praise God. And even though I didn't have anything really prepared that I wanted to say, I do believe that the Lord used me to give a testimony. It seemed to line up with what other people were saying that day. People really did start to respond. And what the enemy was trying to stop all day, trying to silence what the Lord wanted to do, but the Lord was at work and the Lord moved. And we thank you so much for your prayer. Um, the enemy of our soul is real church, and he's not just in Colombia. Pastor Doug preached about this a few weeks ago. Um, the enemy of our soul is right here in Syracuse, and he wants to silence you. He doesn't want you to share what the Lord has done. See, each of you has a unique story that's very different from mine or from what anybody else on this team has gone through. And, and the Lord wants you to share what he's done, whether it's big or small. And he wants uh, to use you as you live your life out in front of people, as you talk to people, as you pray for people. And so don't let the enemy silence what God wants to do in you. Let's live on mission right here in Syracuse. Let's be have the identity as missionaries right here. And I know that the Lord will use you and use us to do great and mighty things. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Regan. I'm 17 years old, and I'm here to share about my experience on the Columbia missions trip. From a young age, I was a very anxious kid. I never thought that I wanted to go on a missions trip. Um, I was afraid that God was going to call me to it. It was a very, wasn't something I wanted to do. <laughs> um, but last year, I felt led to go on this trip, and I was nervous to go outside the country, but I just fully committed, um, and it ended up being a blessing. Something that was very meaningful to me um, on the trip, which Hallie, uh, Miss Hallie mentioned, was the reform school. Um, we went into this reform school, and it, I mean, it felt like a prison, because it, it basically was a prison, and, you know, we... There's like these big gates and we go on and drive our bus in and our bus has Hello Kitty on the front of it and we're just, we're going in and we walk out and it's just like a very intense and serious environment. We have to sign papers. No one really knows what's going to happen. So we go out to this pavilion and, you know, all the, you know, reform school students are out there sitting and I don't know who decided this, but... We had to do our dances for them, which is normally meant for, like, little kids. So we're all just, like, doing this. And, and they're just... And, you know, it didn't feel like a great start, but... <laughs> After the adults um, 
shared their testimonies, that's where it, it really ministered to them. Um, like, there was a guy in the front who started crying, and it's just like, that's not an environment where you want to look weak. And so it was, it was cool to see how the Spirit gave hope to such a hopeless place. Um, when we were praying for them, um, I was like, God, point someone out to me to have a word, to pray for them. And I, I saw this guy outside the pavilion. He was sitting in a chair. He looked very upset. And he was talking to one of the staff there. And, um, and he had like a scar right here. He looked very scary. And I was like, why do I have to do this? <laughs> and so I get... <laughs> I get the missionary to come with me. I'm like, I'm not going to do this alone. I get a couple other people. Um, we go up, and I don't know any Spanish. I know no Spanish. And so he's sharing what he needs prayer for to the guy who knows Spanish, but he did not tell me what he needed prayer for. And the missionary is like, all right, Regan, you're going to pray, and this other student you're going to interpret. So I just start praying, and I'm like, God, you got to give me something. And... Um, there's a mo- there was a moment where I just started praying, like, there's nothing that this man can do, good or bad, that can earn God's love or grace or mercy. And I didn't know it at the time, but the missionary told me later that everything I prayed for him was exactly what he needed to hear. Sometimes I think we get so focused on our plans and being in control that we forget that there's a God who has all of that under control. It wasn't until I went to a foreign country not knowing what was happening next or being in control where I really let go and let God lead. I did nothing except be willing to what God wanted. So I want to, you know, in my life here, be willing to God and let him lead in my school, in my plans, and in my life. It was a very eye-opening experience, and I'm glad I had the opportunity to be on this trip. Thank you. Good morning. For those of you that do not know me, my name is Gloria Morano. This trip was one that I was very happy to be able to go on with my daughter, but to tell you the truth, that's how I was viewing it. I was going as a parent chaperone. And I was open to be used if needed. This mission trip was about how God was going to show my baby girl how to live like Jesus and be selfless, especially, sorry, I lost my place. (laughs) especially when she sees the way others live and still have joy. To say I wasn't excited would be a lie. I felt at complete peace the entire time right before the trip. Before that, I was worried because I had to be obedient in a part of my life where there were a lot of unknowns, especially since I had been denied two times for surgery that I needed on my elbow. I also knew that I would need to be in the recovery phase of this so that I can feel confident in going on this trip. But God showed up like only he can. Which is another testimony of its own. However, I didn't really think too much about how God was going to use this trip to open my eyes to the realization that I have lived in a very complacent place with God. And that he had so much more for me to do. If you have known me for any amount of time, I have always gravitated towards the little kids. I would always say the ages of 11 to 17 are not my fave. (laughs) 
Although some of that is still true, they don't really think that we know what we're talking about at that age. But being able to see God use the teens on this trip left me realizing that the joy they have seen and the, oh, sorry, that the joy they have and the ease in which they can jump into a situation and love on others is something that for over a year I have been missing. They truly made an impact, and quite honestly, I can only pray that I was able to show them something as well. I, by nature, am a high alert, watch for everything and anything, and always keep your head on a swivel type of person, which I'm sure I said to the teens on many occasions. (laughs) Because of this, I had to ask God to forgive me while we were at the reform school. Sorry. My mama bear security alert system was all charged up and I was looking for everything and anything that was misplaced, exits, and even things to do if I needed to defend us. During our presentation, I noticed one gentleman continue to shorten the gap between him and the girls that we had sitting on the ledge not too far from us. I leaned over to Marlon and said, hey, can you maybe go sit on the wall between the guy and the girls? He agreed. But the missionary had already walked over to do something to the speaker, so we both kind of nodded at each other and just let it be. However, I just couldn't keep my eye off the guy who kept getting closer. By the time the altar call started, he was standing right behind Victoria and I. I looked at her and said, sit with your back to the wall, and of course she did very quickly. I began to hear a voice behind me, and it was the same guy, but this time God truly let me hear him. And as he was repeating the salvation prayer, and his voice trembled as he did, my heart sank. And I said, Lord, forgive me. I see now that he just wanted to get closer to the joy he felt radiating from your children. And he wanted to get as close to you as he possibly could. I cried because in that moment, I realized how quick we are to judge others because of their appearance or circumstance And really, we should be looking with God's eyes and trusting that he will always be there for us. He knows all things. I did get to speak to that gentleman and pray with him. He was very sweet. And he started to feel hope come back when he realized that God was not done with him yet. There were so many things that happened that would take hours to talk about. But for time's sake, I will just talk about one more thing that God used me for. Translating. Can I just tell you that I was okay not having to, since we were told the missionaries would do it for us? Yes, I obviously was going to speak in Spanish every chance I got, but translating is something altogether different. The emotion, the point, and the reasoning behind what a person is trying to get across has to be on point, or the message is lost. However, when I would, and I am sure Allie felt the same way, We had a sense of accomplishment that God blessed us with the ability to do this at such a time as this. I was so thankful that God allowed me to be born into a Spanish household and that I had a neighborhood that had all different nationalities of Spanish people to learn from. In the words of my daughter, Tori, we are not done yet. God bless you and thank you for praying for us as we were able to be your extended hands and feet in Colombia. Hello, most of you already know me, but if you don't, my name is Victoria. I've been wanting to go on a mission trip my whole life, and when I was little, I always said that I would go for my 15th birthday, and now here I am. 
When in Colombia, I learned so much about spreading the gospel and how to use my story for God's glory. But before this trip, I didn't think I had one. I grew up in this church my whole life, doing all of the normal church kid activities. I had people around me supporting me through hard times when no one knew that I was going through them. When in Colombia, I had to share my testimony. I wrote it three times. The first time I realized that I only wrote it to get it over with, and I didn't actually want to share because I didn't think that I had a testimony. The second time, God spoke to me one day, telling me that even though I was uncomfortable sharing my story, I had a testimony and I needed to share it. The third time, I didn't think I was going to have to share my testimony that day, and we were at one of the schools until Pastor Pablo came up to me and asked me what my testimony was on. I told him what it was about, and he said, perfect, you're sharing. I was like, okay, God, you're going to have to use me, but I didn't have my testimony. I was panicking, trying to find a phone to rewrite it on minutes before I had to go up and share. I took a deep breath and looked around at all the kids. I knew that God was going to use my testimony, so I wrote it again. This time, it wasn't as extravagant with crazy words, but it was true to me, my real testimony, and I knew that I was going to honor God with it. After sharing my testimony two times that day, I had the director of the school and a little girl come up to me. The little girl told me that she was going through the same things that I went through and how encouraging it was to hear my story. The director told me that most of the kids in the school go to talk to him about the same problems that I dealt with and how much of a relief it was that I had the same problem. God took my story and he took my willingness and used me to share the gospel. God had a plan for me the whole time. My whole life, feeling that my story wasn't important, he showed me that it was. And not only that, but he used my story that week and these moments of pain to shape me. To shape your future and to shape my future, God takes all parts of you, all your mistakes and all of your achievements. He shapes us into something beautiful. So if you ask me what I learned on this trip, I would tell you, God can take you no matter how unworthy you think you are, and he can make your testimony and use every piece of your life for his glory. Thank you. Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful for what God did on this missions trip and just how intentional God is to use our life circumstances to give us a story. Amen? Amen. Um, our, God, is, God is so intentional, even in using what the enemy intends to destroy us, distract us, or derail us, to uh, use it for our good, our growth, and for his glory. Um, when I was praying about what to share on, and I know, I know what time it is, Pastor Doug said I could have till 1.30. Is that okay? I'm just kidding. Give me five minutes, I'll be close to wrapping up, maybe. Uh, when I was praying about what to share on, I didn't really know. Um, I had been praying about it and just thinking through different ways that I could tie this Columbia trip to, uh, to us today for this service. And um, Wednesday, we were preaching uh, through the, or I was preaching, uh, through the story of Joseph uh, and how God helps us with suffering. Um, and that's, that's what the Lord just kind of highlighted on my heart to just continue on that vein of thought uh, on how the Lord is with us even through trials and tribulations. 
Uh, for those of you who don't know the story of Joseph, I encourage you, book of Genesis, it's many, many chapters, read it. Uh, it is an amazing and powerful testimony of how uh, when, when you're in the presence of the Lord, when you're walking in the will of God, it doesn't matter what life might throw at you, what circumstances you might find yourself in, uh, being in the will of God, being in his presence is the safest place to be, amen? It doesn't matter what circumstance you might be currently in, if you are pressing into his presence and you are seeking him, that's an amazing and blessed place to be. And so for the story of Joseph, Joseph was the youngest brother of many. Uh, his, his father Jacob, or Israel, uh, uh, he, he was born to Jacob at an older age. And so because of this, Jacob favored Joseph so much to the point where J- uh, Joseph didn't have to do any uh, hard labor, really. Uh, his, his family, uh, his brothers were the ones who tended his father's flock and worked hard and toiled in the fields and uh, had to do the hard labor. So because of this, they were jealous, they were envious to the point where they wanted to kill him, but they didn't kill him. Instead thought, wait, instead of killing him, we can make a profit off him. So they sold him into slavery. Um, jumping, jumping forward a little bit, uh, the Bible tells us that everything that Joseph put his hand to was blessed and prospered, and it was something that his master took note of. Uh, every, and so Joseph was put, into, uh, put over many things when he was uh, a slave so that everything that he put his hand to would be blessed and would prosper. Even when falsely accused and thrown into prison for a crime he didn't commit, the Bible tells us intentionally, but the Lord was with Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph. And there's, there's a thought that I want us to just keep in mind in the context of missions and in the context of Joseph's story. When Joseph was sold into slavery, the only task of a slave is to serve the will of his master. And so Joseph found himself in a foreign land serving the will of his master. Joseph, after a series of events, which was interpreting a, a, a dream that the Pharaoh had been having accurately, uh, just a series of events that led him to that place of being able to interpret, uh, brought him to a place of now being put into number two position in all of the land of Egypt, that no one was above Joseph except for Pharaoh himself. And so Joseph was then at a place of being blessed, again, in a foreign country, and probably, you know, we, we always say, man, I would rather have not gone through the circumstances or experiences that I had to go to to get to where I am today, but God uses these things to help grow us, shape us, and mold us into who we are. Amen? And so Joseph, being put into number two in all the the land, the the dream was essentially that Egypt would have seven years of prosperity where the harvests would, uh, they would reap such such a blessed harvest, and then they would have seven years of famine immediately following. And so in those seven years of blessing, they were able to prep. They were able to get ready for the coming famine. And when the famine came, because of all the preparation, they were ready. They were prepared. And because of this, Joseph found himself face-to-face with his brothers who were now coming for grain, for food, uh, because they needed aid in the time of famine. Joseph eventually was able to be reunited with his brothers after having to come face-to-face with what they did and coming to a place of being able to forgive them in his own heart, which leads me to a verse that leads me to my point. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. If you have your Bibles, if you have it on your phone, you can open it. I'm about to read it so you don't have to. You just listen. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Here's what Joseph says to his family. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done 
the saving of many lives. The saving of many lives. Every person who came on this trip has a story. Every person who's sitting in these seats, that's you guys, you have a story. You have a Jesus story, a testimony, a story of how the world, the enemy, or even our flesh had plans for us, and life happens, and those plans are never fulfilling and can even cause us great harm. But somewhere along the way in our journey, Jesus intercepted our hearts, and we are now able to declare to our flesh, the enemy, and this world, you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, you don't need to go overseas to experience missions. The, the, the very people that we got to minister alongside of in Cartagena, Colombia, what we view as missions, they view as weekly ministry, weekly life, Bible studies, gatherings of the believers uh, throughout the week. It's regular life for them. And one of the amazing things about this trip, one of the amazing fruits that come from a missions trip like this is now there's a, there's a, there's a gathering of believers in Cartagena, Colombia that know, hey, you have family in New York. You have, you have brothers and sisters in Christ in New York who are praying, who are coming alongside of and believing that they're going to be used mightily to change their generation uh, for his glory and for his name and kingdom's sake. When it comes to short mission trips, here's a reality that we have to always just face. We didn't rattle the country of Colombia after one week of just serving. I thoroughly believe, hey, nothing is impossible for our God. He can do it. He can do it. But we need to align to his will. So the fruit of this trip was we didn't flip the country of Colombia upside down for Jesus. But God was at work. God had some divine appointments for people to be encouraged for people to hear about his goodness. And I, I have two pictures that I want to show you. The first one, this girl in the middle, that's our uh, next-gen director for um, the New York Assemblies of God, Jared Berry. This girl in the middle, the day before we arrived at her school, was praying. And she, she was just crying out to God because her heart that she felt called to was to serve the Lord as a Spanish-to-English interpreter. And she had been praying and she was just feeling really down and discouraged in her English uh, skills and all that. And she just cried out to God and asked, Lord, if you hear me, if you're really out there and you're hearing my cries, send me a sign. Let me know that you hear me. The next day we arrive at her school, she starts talking with Jared in English. And the first words that come out of Jared's mouth were, wow, your English is so good. She starts crying. She starts crying because God had a plan to send someone from Syracuse, New York, all the way to Cartagena, Colombia, to answer her prayer in asking God for a sign to encourage her in her faith, her walk, and what she believes the Lord has created her and put her on this earth to do. We get to the, we get to the, uh, the reform school, which was juvie, basically. And, you know, again, a bunch of hardened, uh, hardened young boys who through life circumstances just got caught up in the wrong crowd and now we're paying a price for crimes that they committed. And, and through it all, the spiritual warfare was real, but through it all, you know, not every wall within them, not every chain was broken, but God began doing a work. 
God began softening their hearts. God began doing a work, and we were able to sow kingdom seeds in their hearts that uh, the missionary told us, because of what we did, there exists now the potential for a ministry, a consistent ministry presence to exist at that uh, reform school at least once a month. And so now God is in motion for that. And then there's another picture that I want to show you. This one. This one makes me want to cry. I'm not even going to look at her. The girl who said she had no story, standing before a multitude of people her age, uh, sharing and testifying of God's goodness in her life, and how God used what she thought was a lame story to bless so many that were listening to her. And what a special moment that mom was able to be the interpreter for that moment. God is at work in our team. God was at work through our team. But I believe that the work that he has started in Colombia didn't end in Colombia. In fact, it didn't even start in Colombia. The work that God has been doing in our hearts started the moment we said yes to him. The moment we accepted him into our hearts and the moment we started letting go and allowing the spirit to do a work in our lives that only he can do. And so the functional, I I just want to give you one more thing and then we're going to get ready for communion. The functional purpose of a short-term mission trip is to come alongside missionaries who are coming alongside of the local church to encourage, empower, connect, and fellowship with brothers and sisters who are engaged in serving Jesus exactly where the Lord has planted them. And church, there's much work to be done in reaching our world for Jesus. Amen? According to the Joshua Project, there are approximately 17,446 unique people groups worldwide, with 7,391 of them considered unreached. That is 42% of the world's population. The vast majority of that 7,446, 85% of the least unreached groups exist in something known as the 1040 window And we have less than a 3% missionary presence within these people groups. I pray that the Lord of the harvest calls his people to live faithfully in these regions. That he would equip them uh, with his spirit to be empowered to be a light and testify of his goodness. To tell them that he loves them so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for them.